Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. At this time, we're going to be in 2 Kings 12. And who are we talking about? Well, in the last chapter, we saw King Joash is miraculously saved. The wicked queen, Athalia, um, who happened to be his grandmother, didn't want any competition for the throne, so she went on a rampage and murdered the kids. Not uncommon uh, in history. We see this with Herod. The Bible confirms that. Um, just sometimes something about power, when people get into that position, if they're not trained or skilled to be there, or not tempered, this is the, 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 the result. I mean, you see what happens in different countries and, and stuff like that. So we're in the monarchies of Israel, Israel and Judah, and now we're in the southern kingdom of Judah. And today, sadly enough, we see Joash actually starts out pretty good, but he doesn't end well. And we're going to talk about that at the end, especially as believers. You know, it's great to start off with a bang. You see a lot of people do that. And then you wonder after a few years what happened. So um, it's actually kind of sad. I don't say that in a pejorative way. So if we jump in in verse 1, it says, In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash, also known as Joash, became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. little caveat there. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So this is a spiritual evaluation of Joash. And in this chapter, we're really relegated to two main characters. The older Jehoiada, the high priest, the mentor, and the younger Joash, the king, miraculously saved by Jehoiada, his wife, and his wife, and of course God was orchestrating the whole thing. And we note a few things here. Number one, Joash, the king, from a little boy, right, became king. And you've seen this in other countries, uh, even in the monarchies in Europe. Uh, because a person's in a certain bloodline, they become the ruler. But they could be children because maybe their parent or the last person died uh, unsuspectingly. So you have a little child wearing the crown. Well, of course, they can't govern. They can't make decisions. They're little, you know. They don't have that capability. So they would often be a mentor. It was no different here. So Jehoiada, the person who was instrumental in saving the kid's life, um, ends up, actually his uncle, ends up mentoring him and raising him. And then you see a little kind of coming of age in Joash. Right? He gets older and he starts to become a man, starts to make decisions for himself. But Jehoiada was a very good mentor. Um, and you know, you can look at that today in relationships, even within the church. I mean, to me, it's a blessing over the years to have been, A, mentored by those older in the faith than me. And then for me to kind of take that, those reins and take that turn and start to mentor other people. It's a really great relationship and um, definitely something to pray for if you have never had either one. Um, ask the Lord to, you know, put someone in your path, pray about that. But it's incumbent upon the person being discipled to grow. (laughs) 
If the mentors and the disciples are doing everything right, it's incumbent upon the hearer or the learner or the disciple to actually do the growing and maturing. Right? We also see that Joash was not thorough in weeding out wicked, wickedness. Verse 3 shows us that, that the high places were not taken away. And this is a reflection of the human heart to leave some things undone, to leave some closets not cleaned. You know, as the expression goes, if the Lord Jesus came to the, you know, our heart, the house of our heart, would we allow him in every room? Right? We have free will. We can be filled with the Spirit or we can be in the flesh. It's a choice. Uh, the, the third thing we see is this parallel. And I'm going to, sometimes I'm going to say things you're going to say to yourself, I didn't read that. Where's he getting this from? <laughs> Second Chronicles. So 2 Kings, right, 12, 2 Chronicles 24 is a parallel scripture. It, it kind of hits it more from the spiritual side. Um, and, you know, I read the two of them together before I put my notes. Now, something interesting here is Jehoiada, the high priest, this is weird, but again, you have to kind of look at what was going on in those days. He picks out two wives for Joash which is bizarre because God said one man and one woman. You know, I, I can almost, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I can almost look at the situation where Solomon had literally hundreds of wives, which was wronger than wrong, and God punished him for that. And then David had multiple wives. So I can almost see Jehoiada saying, all right, you can only have two, not five, not eight, not a hundred. Um, again, the, the monarchs were prone to this type of behavior. And in some countries with all, you know, absolute authority, you still see this in some countries. Go on. It's bizarre to us, especially as Christians. Um, so that's, you know, everybody has their flaws, it seems. Um, and, you know, if we look at our own selves, we have flaws as well. But what's amazing is that, again, all the days of Jehoiada the priest, Joash does a great job for the most part. And we'll see where things kind of take a, a downturn. Uh, verse 4, it says, And jo Joash, or Jehoash, said to the priest, All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple, wherever any dilapidation is found. So it was so, now it was so, by the 23rd year of King Jehoash that the priests had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Jehoash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now therefore do not take any more money from your constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive any more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. So here's a spiritual evaluation of Joash. Here's the spiritual situation under Joash. Again, we don't know how old he was when this was going on, but he's coming of age at some point. And he, remember, Joash as a little baby was, was protected from the wicked queen Nathalia. She was such a godless woman, the last place she would be found is the temple. So they raised little baby Joash in the temple. But because she was you know so pagan and so hated the things of god the temple started to fall into disrepair so you could almost see this project for joash that it's near and dear to his heart 
You know, that's the place where I was sheltered. That's the place where I grew up. That's the place where God protected me. You know, let's fix it. <laughs> let's get moving here. Now, in Second Chronicles 24, we see a few things. That the Levites, the priests and the Levites, right, the Levites were delinquent in their duties to do this. Um, we know that Athaliah plundered the temple, took a lot of valuable articles, and again, left it in disrepair. And here's an interesting thing, how Joash now calls his mentor on the carpet and says, you know, what gives here? Um, I do a lot of paraphrasing. Um, this place is in disrepair. It's God's house. We need to get moving. And again, we find that even some of the best people um, in the Scripture and even in our own life, somehow we think that if we look in the Bible and we see someone that God used, that they have to be perfect. Well, if that was the case, then none of us would feel comfortable to be used, would we? So they were flawed, as we are, <laughs> you know. Um, so a few things we see here is that we wonder why Jehoiada wasn't more forward with doing these repairs. Why did he have to be rebuked by Joash? Were the Levites resisting him? Were they taking advantage of his age because he was up there in years? Quite possibly, and again, I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to, when I read the scripture, and it says that they did something, I'm trying to figure out why they did it. Was it possible that they got really lax under Rathalia because they practically didn't do anything? Uh, because she even diverted the people away from worshiping God. That maybe it was a little hard for them to snap back. Not really sure. But we know that, that this is what took place. Verse 9. It says, Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest bored a hole in its lid and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. So it was whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe or secretary and the high priest came up and put it in bags, counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons and the stonecutters, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. However, they were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, but... They gave that to the workmen, and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. So they're diverting funds. Moreover, they did not require an account from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to be paid to the workmen, for they dealt faithfully. They were honest, and they did the right thing. They were streamlined. The money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. Now, a lot of this stuff is, you can almost say it's like a government manual. You know, when you look at this, you've got the Department of the Tre Treasury, you've got this department, you've got the contractors, put it out to a bid. I I'm not going to get caught up in all the different offerings and, and what the stonecutters and the, the, the carpenters did, but it's really neat because, remember, this is for us, but it was also for the people back then. They had to know what was going on, you know, where, where, where was this, where was that, where did that money come from? Uh, so it, we're really reading um, a, a government document in addition to sacred scripture. And we've covered this when we looked at the Persian Empire and Daniel and the other books um, that we read in the Old Testament. But Joash takes it upon himself to remove the middleman. He's getting a little slack. He's getting a little, 
pushback. He's getting a little dragging of the feet. So he, and, and we see this in Second Chronicles, he makes Jehoiada make this, makes this box um, and gives it out and says to the people, this is specifically for the repairs of the house of the Lord. Second Kings, Second Chronicles tells us that there was uh, some very generous donations made to it. Uh, and, and this is the part where you see, and everything looks good. You know, Jehoiada's up there in years. He's slowing down. We, before the end of the chapter, he does pass away. We see that in Second Chronicles. And it looks like Joash is doing really good. He's got a heart for God's house. He's not happy with people dragging their feet. He gets a special offering box, and, and he gets the people excited. And this is dedicated solely you know, it's funny when I, I just follow government and politics and stuff, and I kind of laugh because, you know, they have these funds and the transportation fund and the gas tax, and it's almost like the shell game. They move things back and forth, and you're like, hey, why are you raising our taxes again? Oh, because that fund. Well, I thought that was supposed to pay for it. All right, I'm getting off the topic, but we live in New Jersey. You guys know what I'm talking about. But the cool thing here is that it said that the people were faithful, and the ones that actually took the money and counted it and diverted to fixing the house of the Lord, they were faithful too. Now the work started to get done. And you see Joash assert himself and make some good decisions. Well, that's about to change. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so we continue. You know, the people got involved too. You know, the people... Athalia's gone. There's a new sheriff in town, so to speak. And uh, he wants to see, the king wants to see God's house in good condition. And the people start to take pride. And they become generous with their offerings. And they start to see things getting done. And sometimes the, not all the times, but sometimes the condition of a house of worship can be reflected upon how the leaders and the people care about it. You know, there's almost like this, this um, proportional relationship. And if it's, you know, here's the funny thing in, in the prophet Haggai. God says through the prophets of the people, you know, you're all living in these par paneled homes, but my house, the temple, is, it's a mess. It's dilapidated. Paraphrasing again. And um, it was a shame. And you know what? We live in a culture, too, where we have our lifestyles, we have our vacations, we have the things that I, they want or we want, but do, are we also concerned to support the work of the Lord? Right? So it's a question. In Second Chronicles 24, and it's not reflected here, it's the after effects are reflected, so that's why I went to Second Chronicles 24. Sadly enough, the story takes a horrible turn. <laughs> Jehoiada dies, and some of Judah's leaders are idolatrous. And Judah's leaders come to the king Joash, remember, who's mentored by Jehoiada, and they basically ask him to lighten up a little bit on the religious reforms, the spiritual reforms. You know, they start to try to lean on him because they know the older mentor has passed away and he probably wouldn't have stood for this. Well, things get worse, and... Uh, Joash makes some poor decisions. And what happens is now Jehoiada, who's passed away, his biological son, Zechariah, along with other prophets, start to say, thus says the Lord, what you guys are doing, you're taking a wrong turn here. God's not really pleased with this. And he tries to institute revival, but Joash and the leaders, 
that came to him, they conspire and they assassinate Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. Eh, bizarre, isn't it? Some really good applications in the end. As Zechariah is dying, he says, the Lord repay this. <laughs> now, you know we're in the Old Testament. We're in a, a different dispensation. When Christ came, it was the age of grace. Remember Stephen, um, the first martyr after Jesus Christ was stoned? And as he's looking up and being stoned to death, he, he forgives his persecutors. Jesus on the cross, you know, don't help, Father, don't hold us to their account. However, we're in a different dispensation. And the prophets were pretty, pretty tough dudes. And they, they didn't mince words. And judgment is not a bad thing. So he says, Lord, repay for their actions. And we'll see that, that the Lord does. Sadly, we find that Joash is a weak leader and easily influenced. And this is kind of strange because he's, for so many years, he was influenced by good, by his adoptive parents, right? By the, the goings-on in the temple, you know, the things of God, having a heart to repair the house of the Lord. Everything's good as long as Jehoiada is alive. Jehoiada dies, new friends come into the picture, new people, new influences, and everything starts to go downhill. They start to influence him in a negative way. And that's really sad. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, how easily influenced are we? You know, I've gone back to venues, not often, um, where, again, I got saved at around 25, and I know what I did back before I was saved, and I want to see my friends saved, of course, from back, back in the day. And there's been times I've been invited to functions, and I just think I'm at the point now where I just can't be influenced by that. I go when I go, and the reason, it's not often, is so I can try to influence them. Hey, listen, I found Jesus. <laughs> Wait a minute, we, we remember you back in the day. I, yeah, it is a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> I can start with a miracle, okay? Let's talk about miracles. Um, they're, uh, they're like kind of pinching me, making sure it's really me. It's really me. But are we easily influenced? When we get in with a crowd that's not doing the right thing, are we more influencing them for Christ or are we allowing them to influence us away from Christ? Very important question to ask. Right? Each person can answer that in their own heart. Now remember, Jehoiada and his wife saved, of course God's hand was on this, saved baby Joash. He knows the story. They protected him. And they mentored him. And he kills their son. I mean, even even on a, a outside of believer, godly kind of thing, where's the gratitude? Sometimes people quickly forget what you've done for them. Now it doesn't mean, so I see some head shaking, it doesn't mean that we don't continue to do good. We do continue to do good. Hopefully we win some over. But if you're new as a believer, let me just tell you something, get used to it. <laughs> Not saying that they're going to assassinate your kid. It's a little extreme. But I am saying that people forget. It's almost a what have you done for me lately kind of attitude. The other thing is, people will hate you for bringing the truth. You know? You ever find somebody when you're trying to just talk softly and love them and, and share with them and they get angry at you and their eyebrows furrow and they get creases in their foreheads. Like, what did I say? <laughs> what did I say? I want you to have the same salvation I have. And they just get mad. You're bringing the truth. Jesus says, if they hate you, don't feel bad, they hated me first because it's my message you're bringing. Right? Verse 17. Now Haziel, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath. 
which is kind of Philistine territory, and took it. So Haziel set his face to go up to Jerusalem. And Jehoash, the king of Judah, took all the sacred things that his fathers, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated, and his own sacred things, and all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and in the king's house, and sent them to Haziel, king of Syria. Then he went away from Jerusalem. So this is political situation under Joash. Haziel is a pagan king of Syria, uh, which is northeast of where, you know, really Israel and, and Judah. It's north, but it covers the east as well. Today, Syria is still Syria. It's the same country. The name hasn't changed. And Syria is still a thorn in the flesh of the children of Israel. Now, we can all repent at any time when we're in sin. That's the beautiful thing about God and His love and His forgiveness and His mercy and all that good stuff. Joash could have repented of his sin, trusted God, changed his behavior. He could have asked the Lord to defend him and his nation. He could have cut off the supply routes of the attacking Syrians because they had to go a long distance to actually attack that part of, of Judah. But he takes the coward's way out and he pays the Syrians extortion money. Now in Second Chronicles 24, it tells us a little bit more. It tells us that God punished the leadership. Um, actually, the, the, the leaders that Joash conspired with, you get the impression from reading both accounts that the Syrians killed them or took them captive. Um, really, Zechariah's words of repay them uh, actually came, came to fruition. Israel's army was defeated by a much smaller Syrian army, and Joash ends up getting wounded by the Syrians. You know, it's funny, Satan will take everything from you, and then when he's taken everything from you, he'll take more. So the extortion money and all that stuff, hey, they still either beat him up, roughed him up, wounded him, left him for dead, but the king is now wounded. And this is really sad because the, the valuables and the articles from the house of God, the temple, were taken to Syria. They were, they were plundered. Remember all those reforms? We just read that, right? I mean, I don't know what the, was it a year? Was it seven years? I don't really know. It doesn't say. But Joash worked so hard under Jehoiada to do the right thing, to fix the temple, you know, to get things repaired. And what happens? It's plundered again. Very sad. And just like anything else in life, you can apply this to anything. Things take a long time to build, but a short time to destroy. Show me a house, show me a commercial building, show me a church. Months, maybe over a year to build, depending on how elaborate and big it is. With a controlled demolition or a wrecking ball, half an afternoon, boom, the place is leveled to rubble. We can apply that to a building. We can apply that to our reputation. Can reply that we can apply that to our family, right? What are we building? Is the Lord the foundation? It's really sad, and we live in an age, and you know I kind of alluded to this in my prayers, but we live in an age where people like to see chaos. They like to listen. When I was a kid in high school, a fight, a fight. Come on, everybody, right? You're shaking your heads. Every high school, a fight, a fight. Everybody runs down the hall to see two people pummeling each other. Now they take videos of it. Human nature, depraved human nature, is to see chaos. And that's what we're seeing in our culture, by the way. 
And it takes a long time to rebuild that. Hopefully, we're the builders. I mean, Jesus Christ is the master builder. But hopefully, as Christians, we're used not to pile on, but to help to build and to rebuild. You know, you look at even a, a ministry, and, and again, I've seen this over the years. I've been, you know, Christian for almost 25 years, but, you know, I follow a lot of trends in ministry, different denominations, etc. And you could have a, a pastor or a ministry that built amazing things for decades. Then you find out about adultery or embezzlement or something crazy, and that's all anybody remembers. All gone. Decades, decades, decades. One event, it's gone. So, no different here. He builds and builds and builds, and by his own hand, he plunders the place because he panics because he's not in a good place. Verse 19, Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And his servants arose and made a conspiracy and killed Joash in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Selah. For Josachar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants, struck him. So he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. So the death of Joash. Again, when you take Second Chronicles 24, bring it all together. That's one of the things I do. When I teach a gospel, I always look at parallel scriptures. You know, filler. When I look at, read the parables, where else did Jesus tell this parable? You know, let me give them the, the full picture of what's going on. You know, we want to be diligent when we teach. We don't want to put out erroneous or, or we miss something as teachers. It's very important. So I'm going to keep referencing Second Chronicles 24. Maybe you could read both when you go home or tomorrow. But Joash, again, is wounded by the Syrians. It's a pretty nasty wound. And uh, his own servants, maybe they sense that he's weak, but they kill him. Why? Because of what he did to Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. So Judah's leaders, the ones who pushed them over the edge, so to speak, they get killed or expatriated by the Syrians, and Jehoiada's own servants kill him. We saw that with Jezebel too, remember? They threw her out the window. So, um, you know, leadership, do it right. Love people. Be honorable. Ironically, Ironically, Joash escapes the sword as an infant because of God's hand. A vulnerable baby escapes the sword. Queen has absolute power over the military. Not as much as a, a nick, a touch, a, a close call. But as an adult, he can't escape the sword. The difference is God's protective hand. God's, he gave him a chance. gave him a lot of chances. If I could, I'm going to read, actually I'm going to, Ezekiel 18, 24, one verse. Ezekiel says, When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live. All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed. Because of them he shall die. Chilling. Now, it doesn't mean that every time we sin, God's going to smack us over the head with a hammer. He's a long-suffering God. And I can tell you something, I'll be the first one to say in my own life, when I sin, when I do something I shouldn't do, He gives me a lot of rope, a lot of leash. And sometimes we hang ourselves with that extra. But um, He's very long-suffering. And what He waits for, the Bible tells us, is for us to repent. 
to say, you know what, Lord? I, yeah, you kind of come to it on myself, myself by your, your, your leading, and you know, I'm, I'm wrong, and I, I'm sorry, and I'm, I want to change my ways. Repentance has changed. But let's look at four points as we cover this, or as we close. <laughs> it must be, you, you might think how interesting it might be living with me. Um, when I started studying this, and I started to read this, it's been a while since I've been, been in this chapter, and my son probably was really little. So I read this, and I'm studying it, I, I find my son. I'm like, we got to talk. <laughs> and I said, you have some awesome people that surround you, awesome men in the church. You've been raised well. Um, and I told them the story about Joash. I said, when we all die, I said, I want to see from up there that you're still doing the right thing. You know, so... Um, I remember, too, on Sunday when that was pretty cool. We had like eight teenager young adults come forward, actually nine of them, to be prayed for as some were going to college, the military, starting their own business, whatever, uh, ministry opportunities. And one of the things I said when I prayed for them and prayed over them was that, that our desire, especially as parents, is when they leave the house, if there's a strong Christian influence, that they take with them their own faith that they go out into the world, whether it be college, another state, another country, and, and they have that personal relationship with Jesus. And, and that's why every year around this time, people leaving the home, the kids, young people, I pray for them because I really believe strongly in that. Um, and you hear stories of some you know, going to school and colleges getting indoctrinated and abandoning the faith. That's very sad, very sad. Second thing we see is that, or actually Warren Wiersbe, I want to read something that he says on the subject. Pretty neat. I didn't even want to paraphrase it because he did such a good job in his book, uh, Be Distinct, on the subject. He says, Joash is a warning to us today. It isn't enough simply to know God's truth. We must obey his truth from the heart. Truth in the mind can lead to obedience, but truth in the heart and obedience from the heart will produce godly character that lasts longer. God's word and God's will must be internalized, received into the heart, or we can never develop consistent Christian character. That's the key, consistent. Until duty and discipline become delight, we are only reluctant servants who obey God because we have to, not because we want to. Jehoiada was a religious prop on which the king leaned. When the prop was removed, the king fell. Very nicely worded. And I think, too, the third point, I have two more points, is that I think the most tragic thing is when you put so much time into a person and they, they do something like Joe Ash did. It's heartbreaking. It's not that we're angry with them. It's that you put so much of yourself into another person and they make the wrong decisions. It's a sad thing. You know, there was, when I went to the initial church I went to where I got saved, it was a Calvary, there were some people I looked up to. They seemed to know so much of the Bible. And some of them even taught classes. And then a decade or two later, they're gone. They're, be, they're in the world. They're doing things they shouldn't be doing. Listen, I don't say this to, I'm not saying names, I don't say it to criticize, but I think it's more sad and tragic than anything else. And you find yourself surpassing sometimes your mentors, right? You know, we're actually, uh, Pastor Paul has uh, come up with a, a, a really cool class, um, actually something we had worked on, the idea, which a lot of Calvaries do. It's, um, it's really a, 
and there's a lot of different names for it, but it's for new believers. And it's, um, I believe, a six to seven week class. I'm not sure how many weeks, but we're actually going to be starting it in September. Because I see it too. I see people come up and they're so excited and they come up to the front and after a few months, either a tragedy or a perceived blessing pulls them away from God. And that happens in every church. So we try to do, you know, we try to call people if we don't see them. We try to do discipleship. We try to, we try so many things. We're also going to try this class to just give them those roots and they can make their own tree with those roots. And still, still may lose people. It's up, God gave us free will. Sometimes I wish I didn't have free will. <laughs> Lord, don't let me do that. <laughs> Stop me. You know, but, but we have free will. I can be as stupid as I want whenever I want. Right? That's what we can do with our free will. I prefer that God just you know, gets the bit in my mouth and just pulls me back when I'm being dumb. Last point, it says, in, or in 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul tells us to run the race of our faith and our Christian walk to win. Right? And, and sometimes when you look at the track in a spiritual sense, some have sprinted and out-sprinted everybody. And when you get to three quarters, they're off on the sidelines. You know? What are you doing? Keep, keep going. Ah, tired. Don't feel like finishing. Some have dropped out like Joash. Joash started great but ended horribly. And unfortunately, that's what really counts is how we end up. Remember Jesus talked about the parable of the two sons? The one says, Father, I'll go into your field. I'll do whatever you want. And then he doesn't. And then he goes, the other son goes, I, I don't feel like it. And eventually he changes his heart and goes and works for his father in the field. Jesus said, which one did the will of his father? Well, the one guy started off crummy, and the one guy started off great, but it was an opposite result. You see what I'm saying? How are we going to finish? Because, folks, I have to tell you that it, how we start is really not important. It's how we finish that's really important. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.